0: Welcome back to the Draft Nut Podcast. We are six days away from the Jacksonville Jaguars being on the clock. Two picks after that, though, the San Francisco 49ers are on the clock with the third overall pick after trading up with Miami um, a few weeks ago. Joining me today to talk about the 49ers, along with cornerbacks and wide receiver prospects, is Eric Croker of the Crocker Report. Eric. Welcome to the show. What's happening, my man? Oh
1: uh, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm chilling, hanging out. I'm ready for the draft to come.
0: Same here, man. You know, I, this has been one of the more crazier draft seasons I can remember since I started doing this, since I started like evaluating, grading prospects, um, in depth, um, since 2018. This is the craziest off season I've seen in quite some time. Um, just so much like talk from all over the league on different prospects, the quarterback position. And speaking of the quarterback position, your team, the 49ers, they need a quarterback. Jimmy G is okay, but a good, bridge quarterback, and that's about it. They needed a new quarterback. They traded up with Miami, like I said before, for the third overall pick. So Eric, tell me. Who's going to be the third overall pick in the draft, and why? (laughs) Man, but seriously, but seriously, like, talk to me about like the three quarterbacks that could potentially be drafted third overall: Fields, Lance, Jones. You know, what do you think?
1: I, I, I assume that it's you know it's between Fields, Lance, and Jones, just like you just said, right? Yep. But my gut, my gut tells me. It's really between Lance and Matt Jones.
0: Ooh. And yeah, yeah. That,
1: that's just my gut. Now, me, I'm a feels guy. I'm like, dude, like, it's clear as day the talent that he possesses, the ability that he has, what he's capable of doing, the grit, the grind, the smartness. To, I, I feel like he has it all. But just kind of re- reading between the lines on things, kind of just looking in, like, just kind of use kind of, like, context clues and whatnot. It just feels like it's more – between Jones and Lance. And my gut between those two guys tells me that it's Trey Lance. Um I think that's a lot of the reason why they came out and said that they wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, right? It was like they wanted to make it a priority for Jimmy Garoppolo to play this year and that he gives him the best chance of winning um, over a rookie um, and that he would only be on the roster this year. I mean, it, the only way he would, wouldn't be on the roster this year is if, the 49ers got some crazy offer um, to th- where they couldn't turn it down. But I do think that, you know, ideally you see somebody with Lance's talent, ability, upsides, and just how, like, you know, at 19 years old, as a redshirt freshman, um, you know, things were up and down, you know, maybe the accuracy and whatnot. But when you watch the film, a lot of it, like, you can fix. And I'm, I'm no quarterback guy, but, you know, I watch these different breakdowns, and I see kind of what some of the issues are. And I just look at it like, look, this dude's far from a finished product. Pro- uh, prospect, you look at the, the the mental makeup that he has, you know, and the like maniacal work ethic, just you know like tirelessly and relentlessly, um, you know, working to get better. You know, asking you know John Beck, the quarterback coach, say, hey, like don't sugarcoat it. Tell me exactly what I need to do to get better. Where can I get better? What do I need to work at? And mm-hmm. like saying I want the cold-hearted truth and kind of being that type of person. I think he's going to do great things. And they talk about – Quincy Avery talked about how smart he is and, like, it's the smartest quarterback that he's ever been around. Um There's just a lot of pluses with the character of him. He obviously possesses the traits. Now it's just time for him to, like, you know, continue to, you know, refine his technique, his footwork, you know, his throwing motion, those type of things. And I think, you know, over time, within, like, a year, you should see a much better prospect or more consistency on the field with his accuracy. So I think he's going to be the guy I think they're fine with – Garoppolo being the starter this year and really being able to win. And then I think moving forward, you'll see a transition into uh, Trey Lance.
0: Between Garoppolo and Justin Fields, who do you think would give the team a better chance at winning? I think Garoppolo. Right now.
1: Yeah, I think Garoppolo right now. I mean, I I get it. Like, you know, how people – you know, you, you've seen kind of the, the ups, you've seen the downs with Garoppolo, but I think ultimately with Jimmy G, like when he's on the field, they do win. Like they win a lot of games. Um, now is it always pretty? No. Is he, is he, you know, is it going to look flashy? No. But he plays a brand of football to where, you know, he continuously moves the chains. He's really good on third downs. He's really good. There's a clear area where he wins right now with his, you know, intermediate, uh, ability to get the ball out and put it on receivers in position for them to have nice catch and runs like, you know, those stuff. And then aside from those things that we already know, like he is a veteran, like he still, like he does understand it. He does understand the offense. So I think you don't go, you don't deal with a lot of the, the learning curves. Now you deal with him just kind of being limited, right? Like not really consistently being able to throw outside the numbers, not consistently being able to throw the ball down the field, push the ball down the field. But you still get enough to where it's like, look, I mean, we went to a Super Bowl with this guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, and obviously that was the, the like most ideal situation for any quarterback in the league, but I do think like he gives the 49ers the best chance to win right now.
0: With the 49ers this upcoming offseat or this coming season, last year dealing with a bunch of injuries, they had, you know, just Drilled with injuries all over, like and yet they they still end up with a mediocre record. But it was good enough to say, hey, this team almost got into the playoffs with how much in, or with how many injuries they had. Do you think this year, fully healthy, if they can say healthy, even with drafting a quarterback at three, do you think this team can still compete? and be a Super Bowl contender this year?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, last year, like, it, that was, like, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. You know, and, I, and I've seen some crazy things with the 49ers as far as dealing with injuries. In 2014, they had, like, a ton of guys. And, you know, that was the year they went 8-8 eight and eight in Harbaugh's last year. And you look at last year, like, I think if you were going into the year and you're like, you know what, we can have some injuries, you know, and everybody's going to have injuries, but we just can't lose Any of these three guys, right? Like, Jimmy Garoppolo because he's the quarterback and he's so important. You can't lose George Kittle because that's really our best player. Then you can't lose Nick Bosa because that's the best player on defense. And the 49ers lost all three guys for an extended period of time. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo only finished three games. Nick Bosa only finished one game, got hurt week two. You know, George Kittle missed a ton of games. He got hurt week one, came back like eight weeks later, got hurt again, and then got, you know, and then finally came back for like the last two games. So just kind of looking at that situation where, like, not only those three guys where you lost your three best guys, it was like the they – for most of the year, they had the most money on IR. They – um I think it was, like, the second most injuries in the last 20 years, like, since, like, the year 2000. So that's kind of what they dealt with. And it's unfortunate because, you know, you're coming off of a Super Bowl appearance and you want to keep – you know, continue to ride that momentum – and it just came to a screeching halt right away. You kind of understood that this was going to be a different year because of all the injuries that they faced. So you look at this year, obviously they get a clean bill of slate, you know, heading into the 2021 season. Um, the good thing for them is they get a fourth place schedule. So a team that in theory is not as bad as their record said they were. And, you know, eventually and, you know, even had the, you know, number three overall pick now after a trade. They're not a team that that, that is that bad. And I do like strongly believe that as long as they can stay relatively healthy, again, just don't lose your best players. <laughs> you know, right. um, I think they should def, they will definitely be a team that's competing for, you know, uh, you know, definitely a playoff run. You, you look at the last year, you know, still kind of, you know, being able to get six wins out of that out of, you know, really bad quarterback play from, you know, Nick Mullins most of the time. And there were a few other games where they were definitely in position to win games, and they just blew it because the quarterback play was so poor from, uh you know, from Nick Mullins, where he, like, literally threw games away, whether it was the Philadelphia Eagles game where the 49ers were up double digits, uh, whether it was the Cowboy game where the 49ers were in a striking range and then he just – Nick Mullins decided to throw multiple interceptions at, towards the end of the game. Um I mean, just – Just weird thing after weird thing. The, the Washington football team game where Washington didn't even score a touchdown on the offense, but still beat the 49ers, you know, like just things like that where, and they beat them because Nick Mullins threw a pick six and also fumbled, um, that got returned for a touchdown. So, you know, they weren't at nearly as bad as the record says. And I think if they just get a little bit better, you know, just better play from the quarterback position, Throughout the year, they should be, I'd say, four wins better. And, you know, that puts them at 10 wins, even in a season where now you have 17 games. So, um, yeah. I definitely think they should be a team that is in the hunt as long as they can stay, you know, relatively healthy. And I just talked about the three main guys. I mean, they lost Debo Samuel. They lost like every defensive back. They lost every defensive lineman dang oh. except for Ayuk. I mean, it was, it was a injury ravaged season throughout the year.
0: How many guys did they have on injury reserve last year? It was some. It was in the twenties. I know.
1: Yeah, it, it was, was in the twenties. And I mean, even even more so than the guys in like that didn't go on IR but just missed games. Like, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk he missed four games for whatever reason. A couple were you know COVID related. Another was like an injury or something he came into the season with. Again, Debo Samuel he missed several games. I think Debo only played like six games. So I mean, not, like even aside from the guys that weren't on IR like there were just a ton of guys that missed much more time than you would ideally like from guys that are contributors on your roster like Richard Sherman missed pretty you know most of the year um really every corner it it was it was a crazy season as far as injuries go
0: the 49ers I think are going to be one of the teams I'm going to really like for this upcoming season you know they're Coming back healthy, mostly healthy. Bose is going to be back healthy. I mean, everyone's going to be back healthy. The most important players are going to be back healthy. I think that's the important thing for the 49ers. And I I believe they can still win the NFC West. I think that's not out of the question at all. They are still a very, very talented football team. And they have a very talented coaching staff with Kyle Shanahan as the head coach. You know, I think Garoppolo can take them so far. Um And he did. He was able to be a part of that Super Bowl team. He didn't re- necessarily lead them there. It was more he was able to do good with the talent around him. And I think he can still do that again this upcoming season, assuming he can stay healthy again. Um But it will also be nice that if Garoppolo, um, God willing, doesn't get doesn't get hurt or if he does get hurt at some point. You know, you'll have that rookie quarterback being able to get more reps, being able to, you know, show off his talent to the world. You know, hey, this is why I can be at the next level and whatnot. And speaking of the younger, the rookie talents coming in, especially with the third overall pick, I want to talk about Justin Fields again. You know, the criticism around him has just been absurd. And I'm a big Justin Fields guy too. Just seeing all these narratives, he's not accurate doesn't read the field well, all that blah blah blah. It's 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 beyond ridiculous. And I feel like at I feel like at this point it's just people are just trying to bring him down for no reason. It's just appalling, honestly, because Fields is my personal QB2. He is, he would be QB1 in any other draft class without a Trevor Lawrence. If Trevor Lawrence wasn't in this draft, he'd easily be QB one for me. Because he is that good, he is that talented, he is that well refined as a player mentally and physically. Do you what what are your thoughts on this criticism, on the narratives, um, just overall with Fields? Because it's it's getting in at this point still, even with the whole epilepsy thing. People are saying, "Oh, he's going to fall down draft boards because of the epilepsy thing." There are players that have played with that um, and still went on to have some good careers. Fields can do the same thing, and it's just so annoying to hear all this criticism and whatnot. So, I just want to know your thoughts on all this.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's crazy, and I would take it even a step further. You know, you talked about in any other draft, he, you know, he would be QB one. You know, if there wasn't a Trevor Lawrence. The the I'm one of those people where I'm like, I feel like there should be a conversation between who's the best quarterback in this class. Like, why is it that Trevor Lawrence has this crown on his head already, you know, and it's like, there's nothing you can do to move him off of that. So I, I look at it from this standpoint, what does Trevor Lawrence clearly do better than Justin Fields? Right. Does he have a better deep ball? I'd say no. Right. Is he more accurate? I would say no. Is he more athletic? I would say no. Does he have the ability to make throws that Justin Fields just can't make? I would say no. Does he process process things better? Pro- people, without looking into it, will probably tell you yes, and I would say the answer is no. Like So, and again, I'm not saying that Justin Fields is better than Trevor Lawrence. I'm just saying, like, I think it's crazy that there's absolutely no conversation about this. And, you know, we've seen the guys on the field at the same time, And I've seen them both battle against each other. And one year, one got the better, you know, one of them. The other year, the the next one got the better. Like, it's kind of been a more back-and-forth battle. And really, if we're being honest, if you talk about the one from, what was it, 2019, that playoff game, you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't just look better than Justin Fields throughout that game. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, and he was under duress. I get that. There is context to that and whatnot. But I'm just saying, just from – an overall standpoint, when you just watch, watch the two guys. And I say, and without, if you didn't, if I, if I had my wife watch the games and be like, hey, babe, like, just watch this game here and tell me what quarterback you think is better. She would probably say Justin Fields. You know what I'm saying? So like, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying Fields is better. I'm just saying, I think it's crazy that there's no conversation at all. And I would say, what is Justin Fields? I would ask, what is Justin, uh, Trevor Lawrence, flat out better than Justin Fields at? And I said all those things where, you know, I answered the question with no, no, no. And that's not to say that Trevor Lawrence isn't as good in some of those things. But I I don't understand how there is just 100% absolutely no conversation at all from a guy who did not lose a Big Ten game at all. Obviously, he had some up and down games. They talk about the Indiana game. That's his worst game, right? Through three interceptions, but still have 400 yards. You know what I'm saying? Still threw for over 300, still had almost 100 yards rushing, still had three touchdowns. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, in a game that's one of his, arguably one of his worst against a top defense in college football. Like, Indiana had, like, a top five defense in college football. Northwestern had a top five, I want to say number two defense overall in college football. Like, Alabama had one of the best defenses, uh, at the end of the year in college football. Like, he had really tough challenges, and I thought still, from that standpoint, we saw him make and do a lot of the plays that we want to see from a guy. And also we've seen him dominate opponents and show that he has the capability of doing everything. So I I just, I I had to go on my little rant because I think it's just crazy that there is no conversation at all. So I just kind of had to go that, but like in the sense of what you're talking about with the scrutiny that Justin Fields has been under. Yes. I think it's crazy. At the end of the day, sometimes we over, we overanalyze things, right? And maybe in NFL meeting rooms, they're not they're not over analyzing it. Maybe they are saying, hey, Justin Fields is a baller and we'd be lucky to have this guy. I think it's crazy that the Jets aren't taking Justin Fields. Yes,
0: exactly. Know?
1: Exactly. So uh, let alone the forty ers they've already talked it off as if um Justin Fields is just a uh, you know foregone conclusion, like definitely not going to uh New York. And I'm thinking like wow, you're not gonna take this six three, two hundred and thirty pound quarterback who you know, runs in the four fours, makes every single throw on the field. Has the ability to make plays outside the numbers, down the field, push the ball. Really smart. You can also use him in the run game. Like he does all these things extremely well. But it's like, no, he has no chance to go number two. We're I think going that's...
0: To take the quarterback that looks like the next Patrick Mahomes at number two. Let's do it.
1: That's not Patrick exactly. Mahomes. You know what I'm saying? I, like that looks like I'm Patrick Mahomes. He's... He does not have as big of an arm as Patrick Mahomes. You know what I'm saying? He's not as physically built as Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know, and it's like, yeah, I, I would say the way that he plays, it does look like uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. But it's and, – and maybe he can become that. But, you know, it's a little bit easier to kind of look like that when you don't play the best in the nation. You don't go up against what Justin Fields had to go up against. He by far – played against the best defenses throughout college football this year. When you stack up kind of like the top five guys, nobody played tougher defenses throughout the year than Justin Fields did, Mm -hmm. you know, and the competition overall that Zach Wilson played against wasn't even comparable. So, and I say that in the sense of just saying like, okay, it looked like he, okay, played with this flair. He did these things. Like there was a lot of little, you know, hero ball where it's just, I'm just going to throw it up to my guys downfield. And I just know they're going to make plays. I didn't think there were a lot of times where he had to be, you know, pinpoint accurate or that he was rushed mentally because, oh man, this pass rush is just eating up my offensive line. What does it look like now? You know? So, you know, he's had these injuries, shoulder injury and stuff like that, has surgery and it's like, well, we're not going to knock him at all for anything, but we're going to nitpick at Justin Fields game. I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I'd say that.
0: Yeah. And People say, oh, Wilson, he might actually be the best quarterback in the draft. There is a lot of stuff in in Wilson's game that need work, but just his raw ability alone could make him a starter in New York. And I've been trying to say this for weeks. Sure, people – sure, he probably – sure, Wilson will probably end up being the number two pick. But do we – are we really – Are the Jets are Joe Douglas and the Jets really harping and tr- and really hoping that Wilson can become that next insane quarterback that just makes everyone's jaw drop. You know, if they decided to take Fields, it'd still be a great pick. But people would still go and say, like, oh, my gosh, insane. We didn't know this was going to happen. Look, Fields is a better talent than Wilson. I don't think it'd be a real surprise to anyone that knows both quarterbacks really well at the position, and I have evaluated both of them very thoroughly. I like Wilson. I graded him high, but I also wrote down plenty of the concerns I have. Pocket awareness is a little bit of a concern. He'll run out of a clean pocket at times. His footwork in the lower half, it needs work. He sometimes gets – his base gets too wide, and that causes him to underthrow some passes, you know. But with Fields, he he is just as clean as they come when it comes to mechanics, mental processing, physical talent. He's got it. With Justin Fields, it, it, it's almost like – I don't know if I'm overextending here. I feel like there's a little bit of some racial bias here. It do you think there is a little bit of that right going on with Fields with the criticism going on around him?
1: Um I think I would be naive to say n- no. Um I want I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt, so I want to believe that that's not factoring into any of this. And I want to feel like you know I want to believe that This is just strictly a football evaluation and they've come up with their conclusions that way. But I do think that there is some, you know, the way that they're kind of perceiving certain guys and how they're kind of throwing out certain narratives about them. Nobody brings up the fact that Trevor Lawrence runs. Nobody talks about Trevor Lawrence as a runner. Nobody talks about how, Really, when he played against Ohio State, he kind of, um, in the playoffs the previous year, 2019, uh, playoffs, he pretty much won that with his legs. It wasn't his arm. And nobody talks about like that with him. But why is that the first thing that they talk about with guys like Justin Fields? Who Justin Fields doesn't even run like that.
0: He doesn't like, run. He's not, a, he's not that explosive runner, but he is, a, he is a good runner
1: still. Right. And I bet, and I'm kind of Googling it right now as we talk, but I bet if I looked up the stats between the rushing yards for, um, you know, both guys, it's probably, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if last year, because, well, even this year, they both didn't play a ton of games. So I'm looking it up right now to see who actually, you know, ran the ball more, but I bet it's not too far off between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, but why don't they bring that up? with Trevor Lawrence, but the first thing people talk about with Justin Fields is the fact, oh, you know, he's a guy, he can run, he, you know, he does this, and, well, you know, you got to be better from the pocket, and, you know, can he be better from the pocket? And it's like, dude, he's been good. Matter of fact, here we go. I got the numbers pulled up now. So, in 2019, uh, in 2019, Trevor Lawrence, because he, you know, he, he played 10 games last year. So, 2019, Trevor Lawrence, 103 rushing attempts. Alright, in 2019, Justin Fields, 137 rushing attempts. Trevor Lawrence actually had more rushing yards and, uh, one less rushing touchdown. Trevor Lawrence had nine rushing touchdowns to Justin Fields 10. Now, they're, they're very similar from that standpoint, right? Like their rushing numbers are not too far off. Um, even last year, uh, Justin Fields ran the ball 13 more times and he had a lot more yards. He had 180 more rushing yards. But even then, rushing touchdowns, uh, Trevor Lawrence has more. He had eight. In their career, uh, Justin Fields has one more rushing touchdown. He has 19. Like, I I say all that to say they pigeonhole Justin Fields into being like, well, he's a runner first or he's this athlete. I mean, you know, it's like, no, like, just do plays from the pocket. And he's the most accurate quarterback at every level of the field in this class. Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about how he has this photographic memory? Why don't we talk about how he's just as smart as the other guys and had, uh, offers. His first offer was like to Harvard and it what? wasn't even a football, uh, scholarship. It was like a, uh, academic scholarship to go to Harvard. Why, why don't we talk about how smart he is from that standpoint? So from that, st- like when we start talking about those things and what people try to make it seem about just the field, hard worker, all these other things, that's when I think like, you know, some of that racial bias. Again, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but it is hard to say that, you know, he isn't being pigeonholed into a certain lane because of his skin color.
0: I, I think with both fields and Lawrence, from what I've noticed from their play is that they both come from different offens- offenses. Fields came from a very pro style offense that had a lot of receiver option routes, um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit from where all those narratives of, Oh, he can't read the field. Well, he's a one read quarterback. No, he's waiting for his receivers to make a decision on the route. Then he's throwing the ball. Sometimes a lot of the stuff they run is one read stuff, but there are plenty of progression plays all over that playbook. Um, with Trevor Lawrence. I also, I felt like, and I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan and I'll admit, I'm also a Clemson fan. So is there is there some bias no comment but <laughs> um no no comment on that but um when it comes to lawrence's offense i noticed that they're are they are very much more of a one read um offense and they'll install a little bit of some progression stuff in there but i think a lot of the stuff where you you see lawrence maybe staring down a guy and he Ends up throwing a pick like we saw so many times in 2019 when he struggled early on in that season. Um, I think a lot of that is the confidence he has in his, um, in his overall ability. And that, that's just where I am with both quarterbacks. And you, you were talking about how fields has been criticized and whatnot. And it, it reminds me so much of how much Cam Newton has been criticized. Like, that that's just like how I I think of it is Justin Fields being criticized throughout this draft process reminds me of what a lot of how Cam Newton has been criticized a little bit throughout his career because Cam Newton has always been a good quarterback in my opinion I know some will disagree and say oh 2015 was his only good year blah blah blah, blah. I don't want to get deep into that conversation that's a conversation for another time but. The thing with Fields is that Mm -hmm. I'm really, really hoping he goes to a good team like the Niners, gets an opportunity to start and just ends up becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the league for years to come. I just want that to happen. So then a lot of people can zip their mouths, you know, and just, you know, I'm sick of all the criticism going on with Fields. I'm ready for him to get drafted to the 49ers. I hope, I hope, I hope he goes to the Jets because he deserves to be the next quarterback off the board. But most likely, I hope he goes to the 49ers for your sake, Eric, for your team's sake, for your team's future, for my sake. As a big Justin Fields fan, I hope that happens so <laughs> the best were yeah. just the and
1: again, I started off this talking about how I feel like the pick will be Trey Lance. So, you know, we haven't really kind of dug deep into him, but, um, I think, you know, for just stylistic purposes, the offense that he played in, and then you kind of look at a lot of like why people, you know, become bust or become good. It's not even so much what they go into the NFL with is what they're able to gain after being in the NFL. And we've seen that with, like, a guy like Josh Allen. Now, I know, I know most people will say, oh, Trey Lance, Josh Allen. Like, I, I don't want to compare them from no. kind of just a pure quarterback ability standpoint. But there are some similarities, right? Like, now, Josh Allen is a freak of all freaks, right? We're talking about, like, 6'5", 240 pounds, like, rocket right. arm. Like, you know, and Trey Lance, 6'4". 225 or still has a chance to grow. I mean, I, I think at the end, you know, by the time he's 22, there could be a chance. He's, you know, 240 pounds. Um, his arm so far is not as much of a rocket <laughs> as Josh Allen. But just when you look at the transition that Josh Allen has made from college football to the NFL, some of the issues and inconsistencies he had and how he's really worked to improve on those things, right? These aren't things that happened overnight year one, you know, it wasn't a great passer, Year two, still wasn't a great passer, but you saw some improvement and Buffalo went to the playoffs. And then year three, you talk about somebody who was like an MVP candidate and, you know, now it's like, man, all the flaws that people talk about, you'll see it pop up here and there. But for the most part, he played at an extremely high level and put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses. I think Trey Lance, with his work ethic and the traits that he has – he can grow to be that type of quarterback. And I think that's what's going to be intriguing to, you know, whatever team that takes him. And, you know, 49ers, I, I wouldn't be mad at that at all because I think he's that type of player, that type of kid, that type of – know, has that type of mindset.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with Justin Fields going third overall at all because Lance is – or not Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, I meant. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with Lance going third overall at all because he, he's great – He's a great talent overall. I, I love the death. I gave him a high second-round grade, but that doesn't really show how much I like him as a player. And when I was talking to Mark Schofield um, about a month or so ago when he was on here on the podcast, um, he and I were talking about Lance, and he told me from an article he read or something like that, and it was that – Lance is more pro ready than I think we realize from a mental perspective because a lot of what North Dakota state ran was like the verbiage is similar to what the verbiage is going to be at the next level for Lance. A lot of this, a lot of the Lance was calling out protections, um, kill calls, all that. He he was doing a lot of stuff that a lot of college quarterbacks right now that have pro potential, aren't really doing and right. i and that is a huge plus for lance especially coming from the fcs level which people for some reason call that division two it's
1: i not. know and it's like it is not i correct people all the time they'll yeah. say d2 they'll say d3 and i'm like dude no this yeah. dude played in the fcs at the highest level in the biggest of games like this is not just some dude from this losing fcs program right like even like you know, I'm from Stockton, California, which is 30 minutes south of Sacramento. Like, you know, there's Sac State there. Like, we're not even talking about, like, a program like Sac State, which I think they went to the playoffs this, not this past year, but the year before. But yeah. um, we're not even talking about, like, that. We're talking about, like, at the highest level with a lot of pressure on him because North Dakota State is probably, you know, arguably the best team in the FCS every single year. There's a lot of pressure to uphold that, you know, those type of standards. And he did that. To the tune of going undefeated, like and I get it, you you you're at the best program, like you're on a really good team. You probably have some of the best coaches, right, and really good talent at your level. But even then, it's like there is one thing to kind of just, you know, you go there with the expectations and whatnot. But like as a freshman, like this is my first time on the field, and we do not lose a game at all, and we win games every which way possible, whether. It's not him throwing the ball a whole lot, right? They didn't ask that of him. Um yeah. they leaned heavily on the run game and not with just running one one running back. They had like three running backs that were like interchangeable and they used Trey Lance as a essentially a running back, right? With you know, and he had over a thousand yards rushing. So just you see some of the abilities and you have to be able to project, right? I heard Mel Kuyper say it like you have to be able to scout with anticipation. And when mm-hmm. you're looking at Trey Lance and you look at him like, man, one year, okay, lower level but I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the intangibles. Where can this guy be? If he gets to our program and we get to mold this guy into exactly what we want. And he has the mindset to be able to like, hold up to that. And then like you talked about. And I, I, I made a video about this on my YouTube page about how he is the most pro ready quarterback. Now, as, I mean pro ready in the sense of what the professional league asks of you from a mental standpoint. Like you said, yes. calling out line protections, the blocking, things like that. It Huddling is, up. Being able to, you does, know, being does, able to huddle up and, and call a long play in a huddle. That's going to be a new for a lot of these guys. You know, turning his back to the defense on play actions consistently. That's going to be new for a lot of these guys. Not him. So again, I'm not saying he's the most pro ready where, you know, it's like, well, you know, he needs to fix his accuracy and his feet and stuff. And like, he needs to clean that part up and maybe catching up to the speed of the NFL, going from FCS to, you know, the NFL, but just from a mental standpoint and yeah. how you can really scheme around what he does well right now. And that can help you win games as he develops the other parts of his game. I think he's in NFL ready from that standpoint, ideally. Yes. Allow him to sit, but I do think there's a scenario where he can come in and you can do something with him to where so you know what? We can win this way. Now, we might not win at all. <laughs> we'll see. But we can win this way and build off of that.
0: I want to touch on Mac Jones really quick, and then I want to start talking about the quarterback position and the wide receiver position in the NFL draft. Um, a lot of people say, like, there are people out there that are saying, Mac Jones, he is incredibly intelligent as a football player, blah, blah, blah. Great. Um, good quarterback, all that. Yeah, I I like Mac Jones and I, I've been very critical of him throughout this entire process. That doesn't mean I hate him. Some people think and Bama fans think I absolutely dread him. Like to the point where I hope he doesn't go drafted. Like it it's gotten to that point for some reason I'm like, no, not at all. I think Mac Jones should absolutely go get drafted and be drafted high, but not as high as people are saying he right. should as They're projecting him to go. Joe, people aren't realizing that Jones has only played in, I think, 17 career games. Same amount of, 17 career games. Yeah,
1: same amount of Trey Lance. When you talk about experience.
0: Right. And they're saying, oh, he's an experienced quarterback. Uh, 17 career starts on your record. And also, from a mental standpoint, sure, you're smart, accurate, all that. But there are some, there's, he, he's raw too. His footwork can be inconsistent. He doesn't have the physical traits you really look for in a quarterback in today's NFL. He doesn't have that out of structure playability. He doesn't have that running ability you look for in a quarterback. Like all, he didn't have the traits that I was looking for when I was watching on his tape, um, for my evaluation. He ended up, he's my quarterback number five. Um, with, I think, a high third-round grade. But if, if you were a team that needed a quarterback in the 20s, early 30s, sure, I'd take Jones 10 times out of 10 in that range. But in the top 10, no, not at all.
1: Yeah, well it is a little tough with him because you do see some of the things that he does extremely well, right? Yes. And a lot of those things are things that the NFL is going to covet. And you know, he looks like, you know, the way he plays the game is like a veteran. Like it's like, well, you know, I see the field extremely well. Um I understand where to go with the ball. Uh you know, he's he's able to win at all levels. I think his movement skills in the pocket, like his feel for you know, like pressure and being able to slide left, slide right. I think that's tremendous. Where I struggle with him, especially like heading to the NFL. And again, you have to scout with projection, right? Because there's, you know, there's your situation in in college is not going to be identical to your situation at the NFL level. So my thing with him and where some of these guys like him might get in trouble is, you know, he doesn't have, the elite arm and that's not saying like you know you don't have to have just the biggest arm to be successful in the NFL but it definitely helps and where it helps is certain drive throws that maybe hang up in the air a little bit in college and your guys are able to make plays on you but in the NFL there's guys that are closing on that a little bit quicker and they may pick that off right and just and it's it's one thing to where you see somebody with a big arm throw a risky pass and say hey you can't do that it's, a, it's another thing to have a guy who doesn't have a big of arm and he tries to make that throw. And it's like, well, you can't even attempt that. Like You know, like that's the difference. Um, a lot of his downfield throws, um, there were some that were just beautiful and on the yes. money. And there were a lot that were underthrown. And he would have Heisman Trophy Award winner Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell jump up and make these contested catches that shouldn't be contested. But because he throws a 45-yard pass and it hangs up in the air, now all of a sudden I have to make this contested catch that should have been more of a walking touchdown. Again, I've seen him do it where he throws it really good, but I've also seen where not having that big natural arm could possibly fail him. Um The other place where not having the biggest of arms could probably get him a little bit of trouble is the throws where my feet can't really be set. Maybe I'm moving And I have to just kind of, like, get something out there right now. Again, those are things that didn't really bite him too much in college football. But, again, scouting with projection, can that be an issue coming, you know, towards him at the next level where, you know, the the pocket's going to be a little bit tighter and, you know, at times you're not going to have as much time as you did at Alabama with the great offensive line. And, you know, it's not going to be as pretty. Again, I've seen him do it well in college. Now, can he do something like that, again, at the NFL level? Is those traits that typically you covet in the top 10, can those, um, you know, translate to the NFL seamlessly? And I think some of those flaws we might start seeing be a little bit more like, you know, what we see from Jimmy Garoppolo, where Jimmy Garoppolo does a lot of things very well, right? I talked about his ability to, you know, make throws right now, um, over the middle, you know, be able to anticipate, you know, certain things and hit guys in stride. Like he does these things well that you can win with. And I think Matt Jones does things very well that you can win with. But I also see where Jimmy Garoppolo limits the offense, his ability to not really throw outside the numbers. I didn't see a whole lot of drive throws outside the number from far hashes from Mac Jones. I also see um Jimmy Garoppolo's inability to throw the ball downfield. And, again, I can point out to some passes where it's like, hey, that was a really good throw by Jimmy. But then I see a lot of times too where balls hang up there because he doesn't have that natural big arm. And I could see maybe that being the case where now when, when Mac Jones gets to the NFL, it's more of something that becomes more of an issue. So he just, again, ideally, ideally with Mac Jones, I do think he's a first round pick. I do think that I think somebody like him is just more suited to go to a team that is picking in the late teens, you know, to 20s or early 30s, something like that, where it's like, look, we were a good team. We were a playoff team, but we're losing our quarterback, Drew Brees. So we need to, you know, we don't have the potential to draft somebody with a higher ceiling, um, more upside, because they have these more physically gifted traits. You know, at that point, yeah, I would love to draft Mac Jones. We're talking about pick at three, where you've, Traded away two picks and you're using another. So essentially you're using three first round picks on this one guy. I don't know if he possesses those type of traits. Now no. Kyle Shanahan or anybody else does, we'll see. But that's the thing that I kind of have a hard time with. I do think that he, there's uh value with Mac Jones. Just not that much value because I don't think the payoff and upside is is as high. I look at him like Jared Goff, right? Yep. Um, Jared Goff – For everything that people might say, he's not, you know, I don't think anybody has won like or been a part of winning more games over the last three years than Jared Goff, four years, since like McVay showed up. I think he has like the most wins in the NFL, Uh, you know, and and that's a crazy number, right? He's, I want to say he led the league in like passing in like 2019 or something like that or near the top, you know, you know, he throws for a ton of yards. He does all these things very well. And even then, his coach said, this isn't enough. I've been to the Super Bowl with him. I've I've been to multiple playoff games with him. He's thrown for a ton of yards. He's done all these things very well. But even then, it's not enough at the NFL level. And I have to trade him away and give up a bunch of stuff to get, you know, Matthew Stafford. And I think you kind of run into that situation with Mac Jones where it's like, gosh, he does some things well. I'm winning games with him. But I, he's just missing that thing to put me over the top to get me to win games when things aren't going great or perfect for the rest of our team. Does he have the talent to be able to play above the X's and O's? I think he plays with the X's and O's extremely well. And that could be intriguing for a guy like Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if he can play above the X's and O's when things are breaking down and you have to make that off scripted, you know, play again. I've seen him do some of these things, but not at the level of some of these other guys and with the ability that they have, that they can do it, that they can make these back-breaking plays don't know if he has that. So there are question marks again. I don't want to come off as if I'm like nitpicking at him and I'm not nitpicking at other guys. I think with the other guys, we clearly see the high-end, high-level talent that these guys possess. With him, not so much. And I think it's really dependent on the situation he goes to and what's the payoff going to be. Is he going to be a guy that you want to pay $150 million to in four years? You know, I think that's going to be the question.
0: I agree with you 110%. Absolutely. Everything you just said about Jones, what teams are probably going to be looking for at the next level, what teams really want from their quarterback at the next level. Like it's it definitely feels like if you don't have the talent, arm talent to make all the throw, all the accurate throws on all three levels of the field, short, intermediate, deep. You don't have that out of structure playability, You don't have that off script ability. You don't have that mobility. You're going to struggle a little bit in the NFL. You're not going to be that guy that people are expecting you to be. And I want to point out something. People think that Mac Jones is great off the field.
1: Do we not know about these two DUIs he had a few years ago? Like, I, I want to say this though, like with the DUIs, like those things did happen like a few years ago. You know, we've all been young and we've all done stupid things. I don't want to hold something like against him when he was young. Maybe now, like since then he has matured. Um, I think even more, I think more concerning than that because we've all had those type of moments, but I think more concerning than that is like the dad bod. Like to me is like, you know, it's one thing to like, you know, okay, I'm young. I do some stupid things. I get in trouble, right? Okay. I need to move. on, I need to learn from it and not make those things happen again. It seems like everybody likes him from that standpoint. I think he's moved on from that, right, from a character standpoint. But the work ethic, right? Like you, you talk about Justin Fields and you know some of these other guys, and you know people talk question their work ethic and what whatever. Why aren't we um, questioning this guy's work 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 ethic that looks like a thirty eight year old dad? You know what I'm saying? Like like he's at Alabama. Is he not putting in the work? you know, in the weight room and doing those things to improve his body to where he can be. Cause I don't even think he's the best that he could be. Like, how could you be when you, when you look so like either. that? Like, I think there's a, there's a, there's a sc- scenario where if he is more disciplined with those type of things, his, you know, he does improve his mobility and that is a chance where he can improve his arm strength, but is he willing to put in that type of work? And maybe he gets to the NFL and he understands he got to take it to a different level and he does it there. But again, I have no questions with him as far as you know. Again, the the early incident, DUI, all that. Okay, whatever. The but I know he's he's amazing in meetings. He's amazing on the board. He's smart from football, um, you know, understanding standpoint and all that type of stuff. But how's your work ethic in the other parts? And are you going to grow? Because people compare him to like a Tom Brady, right? And yeah. they compare him to those type of guys, Tom Brady. Is the most disciplined person ever, right? We're talking about somebody who eats avocado ice cream and takes care of his body, has his whole own wellness, like studio facility, training facility where he does like, we're comparing him to the most like crazy person when it comes to, you know, work ethic and being disciplined and doing those things. There's, you know, and Mac Jones, like you're going to have to be that to be successful. And, and if not, he's going to fall more between the lines of a uh, Kirk Cousins, who's solid, right? Okay. Good starting quarterback. Um, Jared Goff, solid starting quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, solid starting quarterback. But do you want to take solid starting quarterback at three and not have, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, so that's where, where I'm at with it's him. It's
0: limiting, it's limiting the ceiling of the 49ers. Like you're, if you're drafting Mac Jones, you're basically getting another Jimmy G. I, right. that's, Since- that's my opinion.
1: I think some people will um will say, well, he does this better, he does this better, he does this better, and I would say, well, he does this better at Alabama. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he, yeah, yeah. he processes things at Alabama where things are consistently a little bit better. Again, I don't want to hold that against him, but I'm just saying, like in the sense of, let's just, you know, I, I had this same conversation and debate with between Drew Locke and Zach Wilson, right? Where it's like, well, uh, Zach Wilson is a better decision maker. And better with accuracy than Drew Locke. And it's like, well, okay. But he wasn't that much better in the first couple of years at at BYU. He drastically jumped up this year when he didn't play as great a competition, where Drew Locke played in the SEC against far better teams, right, than his team. Like, when he, when he, when when Drew Locke stepped in the field in the SEC with Missouri, he was one of the worst teams every week. Like, he was the worst team more times than not, right? Yeah. Like, he's not better than Alabama, Auburn. LSU, all those things. So he doesn't play with the same type of talent as those teams get. And then he goes to the NFL where now everybody is talented as well and everything kind of catches up to you, right? You, you know, but with Zach Wilson, everything was a little bit better for him, easier for him, right? Like didn't face as much pressure outside of, you know, dealing with COVID and, you know, not finding out late until the week, you know, what, who he's playing, but just kind of being able to play a little bit freely against North Texas and, uh, you know, those type of teams. Where, you know, and there were some good teams on the, I don't, you know, Boise State stuff, there were some good teams that were decent, right? But even then, Boise State, you know, when you have, you know, offensive linemen that are going to the NFL, you have a really good running back in Al J. or whatever his name is that was getting off. You have the receivers who you're just throwing jump balls to. Yeah. And you're comfortable. You Yes, you look like your decision-making is great. You look like your accuracy is great. Like, you know, and and I'm not saying that that's not going to be the case at the next level. I'm just saying. Hey, let's use a little bit of context with some of these things where when we say, well, Mac Jones, he's, he's better at this and that than Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's like, well, yeah, like I bet if I put Jimmy Garoppolo at Alabama, he would look decent, decent at a lot of things, right? He would look good at a lot of things. His D ball would look good throwing to downfield to Mechie and, and, um, uh, you know, uh, Smith and Jalen Waddle. I bet Jimmy would look really good, right? I bet Jimmy would look really good being able to play comfortable behind that offensive line in college football. So, Yeah, People say those things again. That's not to knock Mac Jones and say he can't be good or better. I just think at the next level, he's going to have to take his work ethic to a whole nother level to be able to see the field just like a Tom Brady, but also take care of his body in a way that Tom Brady does off the field as well.
0: And I'm with you on that as well, 110%. It's like you're reading my mind here, Eric. It's like you know... What I'm thinking all the time with Mac Jones. And I'm like, are we related? I don't know. I don't, you know, it's, you know, I'm glad we have the same thoughts on Mac Jones, like what, what we're, um, what we're feeling about him, what we think of him as a player. And this is the end of part one of my interview with Eric Croker. Make sure you catch part two tomorrow. Catch you guys later. Peace.